Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Now, we don't normally take sponsors, but this episode is very special because it's the Royal Albert Hall. So we have. This episode of The Guilty Feminist is sponsored by Get Around, the car sharing app that lets you rent cars in your neighborhood. Wow, it sounds really good for the environment. Need a car for a few hours or days? Rent one instantly, maybe from another feminist, and unlock it with your phone. Already own a car? What kind of feminist wouldn't want to rent it out to another feminist? Rent it out when you're not using it and enjoy the extra income. Search Get Around in the App Store. I'm a feminist, but... That's right, motherfuckers, it's the Royal Albert Hall. That's right. And I'm a feminist, but I recently took my nine-year-old goddaughter to see Greta Thunberg speak. Yeah, yeah, you can cheer Greta Thunberg, she's saving the world. And afterwards... I said to her, I'll take you out somewhere. That my goddaughter, not Greta Thunberg, she had plans. <laughs> uh, and I said, I can either take you to the Extinction Rebellion protest or for a manicure. <laughs> and she said, I'd like to go to the Extinction Rebellion protest, please. <laughs> and I thought, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Hello, Wembley! (laughs) I'm a feminist, but when I arrived this morning backstage, really channeling my inner Adele, because that's who I am today, I went back and I saw the rider, and there was loads of grapes, like Grecian amount of grapes, and I thought, why are there no men to feed me the grapes? Because that's, that's only fair, right? I'm a feminist, but even though I swore I'd dress my baby as gender-neutrally as possible, she's currently at home wearing a little pink headband with a massive flower, a pink leotard, a tutu, fairy wings, and a wand that I don't think is child-friendly. I am a feminist, but I feel like when I was uh, more ignorant about what I deserved and how I deserved to be treated, I was um, happier, happier. (laughs) What's that, sir? Touch my arse. Why wouldn't you? You're a stranger. I'm in a public place. Work away. I don't know any better. I'm a feminist, but I still can't spell the word patriarchy. And every single time I'm trying to write something about the systematic oppression of women, I have to Google it, copy and paste it, and then rejig the font so it still works. I'm a feminist, but I gender my own farts. I'm a feminist, 
But when I get dressed, I look in the mirror and think, could I catch a dick? And if the answer is no, I get changed. I'm a feminist, but yesterday at Pride, I was looking at all the beautiful, attractive, you know, in a really boring and conventional way, attractive, privileged, cis, gay men and thinking, I miss male privilege. Hello. I'm a feminist, but whenever I go out with my husband, I don't take my wallet. because he knows I'm a feminist, so I don't have to prove it, so just pay already. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I have written off three cars. <laughs> and even though every accident was my fault, I refuse to let my family say so because that would be unfeminist. I'm a feminist, but to celebrate pride, I got my first tattoo. Yeah. Yes! And I had my pick of the tattoo, it's, and I chose the one woman because she had great tits. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but after today's technical rehearsal at the Royal Albert Hall, I'm kind of hoping some of the crew might join us for a drink afterwards. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but sometimes in bed, I like being smacked around the face. That was funny. I... <laughs> oh, sorry. I really enjoyed that. I am, I'm a feminist, but recently after a gig, a man came up to me and he said, oh my God, you're really beautiful in real life. And what I should have said was, actually, I'm a comedian and my looks are completely irrelevant to this. And did you find my jokes funny? And that's really all I'm interested in. So the next time you have an opinion about how I look, why don't you just keep it to your fucking self? What I said was, thank you. I'm a feminist, but Anne Whittaker makes me use really misogynist language. And, and I don't want any more female Tory prime ministers. What a bunch of fucking twats. Can see how we've started as we've meant to go on. So I'm a feminist, but my favourite song from a musical uh, is not very feminist at all. In fact, it's just misandry. Um, do you know what misandry is, sir? Okay, they all do. It's, it means man-hating. Um, it's, it's just a man-hate. It's violence against men song. And I know, obviously, that's not as bad of a song where the violence is in the other direction because of upper body strength and the history of the world and the patriarchy, but still, you know, it's not a song that I should choose to sing, certainly not a feminist show. Um, but then I'd, I mean, I have been thinking the show is very feminist today. 
And I'm not sure there's the right amount of guilty in the ratio. So I was thinking maybe we could call up the West End cast of this musical and see if they could come down and I could perform that song with them because I know that's your fantasy as much as mine. <laughs> but then I had a word with the producer and he went, it's a bit pricey. So then I thought, oh, maybe I could call a musical the show that, uh, that frankly allows comedians to do musical theatre numbers with more confidence than craft and an incredibly short rehearsal period. Like an incredible short rehearsal, like a really, like a no rehearsal period. So I thought, I'll ring them. So let me just, um, hello, is that Jade? Yes, Jade? Um, Here, yeah. yeah. Jade, are you there? Uh, can I just patch Kirian? Yeah, um, yeah, we're patching Kirian. Yeah, just, oh, it's Jade, Jade and, oh. it's Jade and Kiri from oh, a yeah, musical. Right. Nice to have you, hello. Jade and Kiri from A Musical, do you reckon, do you reckon that we could, uh, right here at the Royal Albert Hall, stage a version, I mean very quickly, of Cell Block Tango, also known as He Had It Coming? What, with uh, no rehearsal period whatsoever? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll only do it if we have no rehearsal period. What's up? Yeah, that goes very much your rider, I understand that. And also a very small amount of pay. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. Yeah, we can, yeah, if we can work for less than minimum wage, that's my absolute dream. Okay. You're on! <laughs> you're on! All right, so I'm just going to say, A Musical, you know what you're doing, Kiri and Jade. Take it away. Thanks very much. Let's give it up for Deborah Francis White! Hello, hello, Royal Albert Hall. I cannot believe I'm saying that. Uh, thanks for having us. Most of you don't know who the fuck we are, and that's absolutely fine. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so basically, what a musical is, is a show that gets comedians singing songs in musical theatre. So far, so boring. But we don't let them be good singers, because who wants to see someone do something well if they're already good boring. at it? Fuck that noise, no. Um, what we want to see is people who are good at something else doing something they're not very good at, trying very hard at being quite shit at it. So, that's what we have for you today. It's not about being good at musical, it's about being loud. So, and you all know the words to this song, uh, so join in because we don't know the words. We do not know them. No, but fair play, Ashling. in the one rehearsal we've had has been very good at just going pop uh, whenever she doesn't know the words. So look out for that. It's an Hang absolute on. dream. There's a, a major issue though, Kiri. Oh, yeah. What are we going to be doing, like maracas and shit? We need... No, I can't. Yeah, we're going to have to bring a band on stage. Please put your hands together on stage. Dave and the Quavers! It's <laughs> our musical band. Yes, please. That's the only time we'll let men on the stage if they're facilitating women's dreams. And we're going to need a chorus as well, so please welcome back to stage the Guilty Team Feminists. Feminists. <laughs> this is exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Squish. Uh oh. Sing along, you fucks. Cicero. <laughs> yeah. Pop. There was one. There. Will you welcome <laughs> the very first of the Guilty Feminists with their rendition of Cell Block Tango? Pop. Six. Cicero. Pop. Six. Squish. Uh-uh. Cicero. Lipschitz.
habits that really get you down. Like Bernie. Bernie used to chew gum. No, not chew gum. Pop him. And one night I come home from work and I'm only stressed out and irritated, looking for a little bit of sympathy. And there's Bernie on the couch, chewing gum. No, not chewing, popping. So I said to him, I said, Bernie, you pop that gum one more time. And he did. So I took the shotgun off the wall and I fired two warning shots into his head. Ezekiel Young from Salt Lake City about two years ago. <laughs> oh, he told me he was single and we hit it off right away. <laughs> so we started living together. He'd come home from work and I'd fix him a drink and then we'd have dinner. And then I found out single, single my ass. Not only was he married, he had six wives, like he's in Take a Break magazine. Now we all know the original lyric is Mormon, but we also know that in 1890 Mormons got rid of polyamory and it's just like a racist thing that carries on, so that's why we've changed the lyrics to it, but you already know that anyway. Because we are right on as fuck here. So that night he comes home from work and I fix him his drink as usual. <laughs> Some guys just can't hold their arsenic. Jealous range. You've been screwing the milkman, he said. He was crazy. He just kept screaming. You've been screwing the milkman. And then he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. Feminist? So did you do it? Uh-uh. Not guilty. My sister Veronica and I had this double act. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband Charlie travelled round with us in our caravan, you know. Now, for this last acrobatic trick we did, I was always a base, you can tell. We did these 20 acrobatic tricks in a row. One, two, three, four, five, splits, backflips, flip-flops, one right after the other. She did it all. <laughs> this night, right, we're down at the Hotel Cicero. We're boozing, having a few last few ciders and blacks. It's lovely. But then we ran out of ice, so I go out to get some. I'm gone a little while. But then I come back, and there's Veronica and Charlie doing number 17, the Spread Eagle. <laughs> well, I was in such a state of shock. I completely blacked out. I can't remember a thing. <laughs> it wasn't until later I was washing the blood off my hands. I even knew they were dead. They had it coming. 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 Oh, hey, oh, I didn't do it. He did it. Well, if I'd done it, if she'd done it, would you tell me that I was wrong? Shoot 
trying to find himself. He went out every night looking for himself, and on the way, he found Ruth, Gladys, Rachel, and Irving. I guess you could say we broke up because of artistic differences. He saw himself as alive, and I saw him dead. The dirty bomb, Single my ass. Ten times. Siriti. Spread eagle. Artistic differences. Pop. Six. Switch. <laughs> uh-uh. Cicero. Lipschitz. That's right, tonight the white men are sitting in the dark, attending to our every need. I mean, that band has to give back massages. It's just whimsical. So thank you very much. That's the opening of the Guilty Feminist of the Royal Albert Hall. Thank you so, so much for coming out. And I know what you're thinking. Deborah's really changed uh, because she's just made a man uh, mind her cloak and now she's going to make him come and put it back on for this next bit. Thank you so much. I know what you're thinking is that Deborah Francis White didn't used to uh, have cloak attendants to mind her cloaks, her sequined capes between musical numbers. And to all of those judging me, let me just say, no, I was always like this, you just didn't know me then. Uh, the Guilty Feminist is a podcast about our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I am aware that the way I say undermine them is getting more and more ridiculous every time, and I can only tell you I can't stop. I would like to, but I can't. Uh, if you don't know what a podcast is, it's radio that nobody stops you making. <laughs> Admittedly, this is a podcast which has got a bit out of hand. A, podca a podcast, I think. I think it's meant to be uh, internet radio that you make in a relative's basement with a man called Nick, uh, where you just complain about things. But we've always done our shows in front of a live audience. And the first show we ever did, um, I started this podcast with Sophie Hagen, and we did... We did, the, we did it in a, in a fringe basement theatre. 30 people in the audience. I could identify 20 of them by name. I had 20 of them in my phone. I think we need to be very honest about that. And we joked on the night about, at some point, obviously, we'll be at the O2. But we are somewhere better. We're at the Royal Albert Hall. And it's a very, this is very special for me because the first ever time I saw a woman do stand-up comedy live was here when I came to see Victoria Wood on my gap year. And I remember thinking then, if I ever make it, this is where I'm coming. And if I'm ever here, then I know I've made it. Um, I, so thank you, Royal Albert Hall. Thank you so much, Royal Albert Hall, for having us. I'm sure Victoria Wood was doing a six-week run, not a matinee, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Reach for your dreams, and then when you've got even something that looks like one of them, just go, yes, it's happened. Uh, that's how we must all live our lives. But it is amazing that genuinely three and a half years ago, we were in a basement 
And three and a half years later, we've had 65 million downloads. And you are cheering yourself there because I barely ever download it. Because I don't want people to think I'm vain. So thank you so much to everyone who's come, everyone who's listened, everyone who's shared it, told a friend, because you don't put podcasts on the sides of buses. If someone says to you, I think you'd really like this podcast, that's always a compliment. It means you are a person of wise judgment. Uh, thank you for anyone who's brought anyone here tonight. The podcast belongs to all of you here. You are already, I can see, going to be an absolutely magnificent audience. Well, you let yourself down there. I just complimented you and you went, yeah. It's so British. It's so British. If I said, and now Susan McCombie, I'm like, you're amazing. Oh, well, I mean, I think that's for others to say that we're a good audience. That's not for us to say. That's not for us to say. Come on now, women, that's patriarchal training. Oh, no, no, no. I'll wait for the 360 before I can really (laughs) confirm that I'm any good at this. I don't want artificial praise. You already an amazing audience because you're a guilty feminist audience. <laughs> now, this show tonight will basically be feminist variety. It's basically, it's like the royal variety performance, but the feminist variety performance. Olivia Coleman sitting up in a box, waving. <laughs> there's going to be stand-up comedy. Uh, there's going to be an amazing uh, reading. There's going to be a big song. Then we're going to go for an interval. Then we're having... Uh, a big secret surprise, wonderful opening to the second half. We've got some wonderful guests on our sofa. And then finally, uh, we've got a big climax with uh, the final speech from Amelia from Claire Perkins. Um, this is just to give you a sense, an overview, that it is a variety show now. I am considering hiring a feminist magician who just cuts a man in half and leaves him there. <laughs> if you are a man, of course, Welcome. You are welcome. This is unapologetically a female and non-binary space, but we welcome, we welcome the cis men. It's all right. You don't need to hold on to him. Like, your whole... Your ho- oh, it's your dad. Oh, this is lovely. I love the dads that come out. The dads come out and bring their daughters to the show. Just give us a cheer if you're a dad. There can't be that many dads. So if your dad, people are pointing... All right, you're, you're, you're dobbing him in like you're in a police state. He's one here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming out. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful night. Everybody is, of course, welcome. What's your name, sir? Rob. Rob. Thank you. Are you do you listen to the Guilty Feminist? No. <laughs> Rob. Okay, the tactful thing there. All right, let me tell you what a woman would have done. She would have gone, mmm. Mmm. Yes, love it. Love it. Your daughter's hugging you in a way that says to me, you will not be allowed out of the house until you listen to the full, you do the full binge, Rob. What was that? You've heard many parts of it. Oh, you listen to it all the time and you make him listen just sort of, you listen to it downstairs and then that's, well, that's how you win the patriarchy over. You just play it in earshot. Yes, take your headphones out. You've got him into the building now. Well done. I mean, that's a literal patriarchy there, sitting there. That puts the pater into patriarchy, Rob. Um, Now, some of you may not know me from The Guilty Feminist. Some of you may know me because I was a recent stylist magazine cover girl. Yes, I didn't see that coming and neither did you. Uh, Let's be honest, Rob. But uh, nobody saw it coming less than the girls who used to bully me at school in Australia. So I put that shit all over Facebook. But a new shot every day. But it was really fun. I went to the photo shoot. There's a photographer there, Dave. Dave, and uh, I said, Dave, will I get to help pick the photograph that goes on the front cover of the magazine? And he went, oh, no, love. You won't even get to see it till it's on the newsstands. He said, not even Michelle Obama got a say over hers. And I said, well, Dave, if Michelle Obama didn't get a say, I'm obviously getting fucking nothing. He said, that's right, love. Um, But... They sent me the article inside because I'd written it and there were photos laid out on the page. So I got to see those. And they really hadn't photoshopped them much at all. <laughs> and it was only then that I realised the part I was looking forward to the most was sitting with other women in comedy and going, isn't it awful how much they photoshop you? But there's nothing you can do. 
I mean, even Michelle Obama didn't say, there's nothing you can do powerless. Look, they've taken away all the character and wisdom from around my eyes, but there's nothing you can do. Look, isn't that awful? They've taken away all my flaws, which are my womanhood, but there's nothing you can do. But they really hadn't photoshopped me much at all. And they, I thought, well, they must have just thought she's a feminist, she won't want that. Accurately. And I thought, well, you can't email in as a feminist and say, I want more Photoshop, can you? Can't, as a feminist, you can't ask for more Photoshop. You can't, as a fem- you can't ask for more Photoshop. You can't, I did. <laughs> I did. But I had to compose that email very carefully, as you can imagine. So it was a hard one. It took me longer to write that email than it did to write my whole fucking book. But I think you will agree, I played a blinder. Uh, I wrote... Dear Sarah from Stylist, love the photos, love the photos, love the photos, love the photos, love the photos. Photos. Um, Now, I would like there to be no photoshopping of women in magazines at all. I would like Photoshop to be banned. But as it's not going to be this week, I would like equality of opportunity, because if you think about it, equality is the bedrock of feminism. Now, I know somebody has to go first and say, no Photoshop for me, and that somebody should be a very young, very hot model. (laughs) And perhaps she should give me her Photoshop, and that would be cosmetic socialism. (laughs) And she wrote back and said, oh, no, no, you've misunderstood. That was just a mock-up. That was just a layout. Your photos haven't been Photoshopped yet at all. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Couldn't have been more delighted not to have been touched up on a bus, if I'm honest. Um, And then I got, and this is true, I got a one-line email from Dave. I can show it to you. This is absolutely true. One-line email from Dave, and it just said this. Don't worry, love. By the time I'm finished with you, you'll just be a pair of cheekbones in a dress. (laughs) And I was! But there's nothing you can do! Thank you very much! Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. working in this already country today. It's the incredible London Hughes! Queen! Absolute queen. Big up Debs, proper queen. Hello, Royal Albert Hall! Hey! I feel famous. This is crazy. Um, I'm London Hughes. I'm very funny. Um... Hilarious. For those that don't know me, I'm a really amazing black female comic. I look a bit like Beyonce. If you're listening on the podcast, I look a lot like Beyonce. Um, it's crazy being a black female comic in Britain, though, man. Because when I walk out on stage, most people think I'm a singer. Do you know what I mean? I've got to prove to them I'm actually funny. And I'm hilarious, right? Oh, I'll make you laugh out loud. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen now. I just turned 30, guys. I turned 30 a month ago. I know I don't look it. I know I look about 22, but I just turned 30. I know, it's not a joke. I just turned 30. It's hard for me, though, because I'm 30, I'm sexy, I'm successful, I'm rich as fuck. I'm fucking rich, bruv. Like, when I go McDonald's, I go McDonald's in Chelsea, yeah? (laughs) Fucking rich, bruv, do you know what I mean? I'm rich, I ain't got no gag reflex. (laughs) Nah, they call me the seagull. (laughs) I don't have to explain. <laughs> Told you you'd laugh, innit? Yeah. I have all these things, guys, but I'm single. I can't believe I'm single. It's a shock, bruv. It's a crisis. I shouldn't be single. I'm too fit. Do you know what I mean? 
But being single in your 20s is fine. It's like, oh, I'm single in my 20s. I'm sucking everyone's dick, do you know what I mean? Just from 2009 onwards, my mouth was full. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sucking dick, giving everything. Guys going down on me, sitting on faces every single day. Every single day. I was, I've been sexing with everyone. I fucked so many guys in my 20s. I was playing bareback roulette. You lot play bareback roulette? It's like, did he come inside me? Did he not? It's bareback roulette. And then you get your period, you do a little dance because you're not pregnant. Is that just me? Or? Like, I'm not pregnant. I was doing that in my 20s. I literally fucked everyone. I fucked the whole of Mock the Week Series 7. It would have been Series 8, but then they started adding women to the lineup really fucked up with my dick getting chances, do you know what I mean? Couldn't even really fuck Sarah Millican. But yeah, I literally, I did it all. I did it all in my 20s, it's fine. But when you're 30s, you can't do that shit no more. It's like being single in your 30s, it's weird. It's like it has a smell. Do you know what I mean? People are like, oh, you're single and you're 30. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know what I mean? And even my mum, she started chatting shit, yeah? Because when in my 20s, I was fine. Now I'm 30, my mum's chatting shit, bruv. She's like, oh, why don't you settle down? Why don't you settle? I really want you to settle. Have some kids and settle. Might have some kids. Mum, I ain't even had an abortion yet. <laughs> Let me have a couple of abortions first. A little practice runs before I commit to the kid. Do you know what I mean? Not fucking stupid. Settle, have kids. Not me, bruv. Not London Hughes, mate. I'll tell you that for free. No, I'm I've been fucking. And now I'm too scared to have sex in my 30s because I feel like I've completed it. I completed it. No, I've completed it. I've, I've caught so much dick. My dating history is like a who's who of Uber drivers. Honestly. I've done it. I've done it. And like, I, I started seeing this guy, right? And he really wants me to sleep with him. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. But I genuinely was like, you know when you meet someone and you're like, oh, like I could fuck you. But then you want to be classy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> want to save yourself. That's like me. Because I've been there. I've been sleeping with loads of guys. I, I slept with this one guy, right? Oh, my God. First of all, he was a white dude. Yeah? I love my white guys, not going to lie. I do like my white guys. I like to catch them like Pokemon. Here you go. Gotcha. Gotcha, Ben. Gotcha, Adrian. I love him. I love my little, little nerdy. Now, I met this guy. He was a white guy. And the thing is, I knew he was white because he had a fetish over me, right? He called me a Nubian queen. Don't, no, no. White guys don't call black girls a Nubian queen. I don't call you lot a Caucasian prince. Your name's Steve. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to call you Steve. Steve's your name. Right? So he was calling me, and he was really kinky, right? He likes to do a little bit of role play, a little bit of foreplay. And I'm fine with that, right? I'm a, I'm a bit of a hoe anyway. So um, he was like, I want to do a bit of role play. And he came home one night and he was like, oh, I want to act out Fifty Shades of Grey. I was like, right, okay. I mean, I ain't read the book because it's beneath me, but. <laughs> book's beneath me. Book's beneath me. I ain't read the book, but I was like, I'm ready, I'm down to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 50 Shades of Grey. Okay, cool. So he was like, yeah, I'm going to get into character. So he was being Dorian Gray, and he was like, broody, and like, I'm Dorian. I'm Dorian. And I was playing the basic white chick, so I was like, <laughs> that's all she does in the film. She's so basic. So I've been her. I was like, I'm the basic white girl. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, I'm Dorian. Uh, 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 uh. I'm Dorian, Dorian. Then he started tying me up. I shit you not, right? And he was tying me up in this sexy little, on his bed with these sexy little silk ties. And I was like, oh shit, tying me up. And then he was like, I'm going to get the whip. <laughs> now, whips for me, culturally, They don't end well. <laughs> I, I've never been whipped before, but I feel like I've worn it on my back my whole life. And when the white man went off to get the whip, <laughs> that's when I knew I fucked up. <laughs> he came back with this whip like, hua, 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 and I'm like, hoo, hey, ho, hey. Then I realized we weren't playing 50 Shades of Grey. We were playing 12 Years a Slave. 
Listen, that's my time. I'm London Hughes. Thank you so much. Thank you. London Hughes, everybody. Now, I'm briefly interrupting this show. I hope you're enjoying it as much as we enjoyed making it, because I wanted to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. I know it's exciting. We never have a sponsor. Get Around. Now, Get Around is like a car sharing app. It's like the Airbnb of cars. You can rent your car out to somebody else in your neighborhood. Somebody else can rent your car from you, which is all very good for the environment rather than having all of these cars that we share them. And it sounds really collegiate, like a great idea. But most of the people getting free money when their car is just sitting in their street and they're not using it, are men. I don't know if that's because we think, oh, cars, men's domain. But I'm a feminist and I love having a little poodle around in a car. But I don't own one because I live in central London. It's not great for the environment and it's certainly really, really expensive given I'd hardly ever use it. So I use a car club and I've just downloaded Get Around in the app store because I'm going to have a go at it. I'm going to start using other people's cars. And obviously it would be lovely for me if uh, some women in Camden put their cars up and I was using their cars. It sounds like a really nice collegiate community way to share and also make some extra income, which let's be honest, most of us need. So have a little look around and see what you think. And I'll hopefully I'll see you on Get Around. Now I promised you variety. There is an actress who is a world-class actress who we are very lucky uh, to call our own here in Britain. You will know her from the television, but she also recently put on an astounding production of Richard II with all women of colour. She directed it and she played Richard II. She also did all of the voices for the other people that weren't me in my book on the audiobook. Uh, so if you've heard the audiobook, and if you haven't, why not buy it? Um, <laughs> Anyway, she's an incredible actress. Her skill with voices is amazing. But talking to her, I realized that what a person of extraordinary intelligence she was and understanding of intersectional feminism as well. So I asked her to come to the show today and perform really anything she wanted to. And I am delighted to say that she got out of an awards ceremony to do it, to be here with us. So I welcome to the stage with a reading of her choosing, the incredible Adjua Ando! <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do a speech by Sojourner Truth. Anyone here heard of Sojourner Truth? So there are two versions of this speech. And on this Pride weekend, with the Women's World Cup final happening, surrounded by feminists, I think Sojourner Truth would be very, very, very happy to see where the world is, knowing there is a way to go. But we are here to lift up the world, yes? I've got to read it all. I can't remember this shit. I'm 56. Okay, right. So, um, <clears throat> so there are, as I said, there are two versions of this Sojourner Truth speech. It was delivered at the Women's Rights Convention in Akron, Ohio, in 1851. Do the math. It's a long time ago. And we're still having to bang on about this shit. Come on. Many of us know this speech as the Ain't I a Woman speech. But like so much of the recording or not recording of women's history, it's wrong. A poet called Francis Dana Gage, an abolitionist and president of that 1851 Women's Rights Convention, changed most of the wording of Sojourner Truth's speech and added a southern slave dialect to her version, which she wrote 12 years after the speech had been given and published in New York in an independent newspaper in 1863. The famous phrase, ain't I a woman, was constructed by Francis Gage. Sojourner Truth never said it. Sojourner Truth 
lived in upper state New York in a Dutch community of owners and slaves. Until she was 12, she spoke only Dutch. Because, as we know, slavery comes in all languages and on all continents, and it hasn't stopped yet. So, the actual speech Sojourner Truth gave was published by a man called Marius Robinson a few weeks after the speech was given in an anti-slavery newspaper called the Anti-Slavery Bugle. Marius Robinson and Sojourner Truth were friends, so one imagines that she gave her blessing to his publication. Sojourner Truth's slave name was Isabella. She chose Sojourner because she was determined to travel the land when she was free, and as she put it, to call out sin and be a sign to the people. And she chose truth, because on her travels, in word and song, she would campaign and speak out her truth. In New York in 1887, she said, I will shake every place I go to. So I say to all of us here, working as activists, working as artists, inspiring in our everyday lives, inspiring simply by living our lives as the fully human beings we were created to be, however that is that we were created to be, your choice, your choice, no one else's because you know your own heart. Make sure your work, your words, your lives are in your hands and only in the hands of others you trust to honor you. Any loss of our own truth, be it to suddenly have a slave accent from the deep south when actually you're a Dutch slave, any loss of our own truth, be it to say, I'm a trans man, or I'm a trans woman, or I'm gay, or I'm lesbian, or I'm everything I want to be, and that's my choice. Any loss of our own truth is a loss suffered by all of us. We want our own truth, not someone else's fiction about who we are. So big shout out today to US football star, Megan Rapinoe. Taking the knee. Being a proud gay woman, not going to the fucking White House. We all have to make common cause. We're not a minority. We are the majority. So people, let's speak our truth, love our truth, live our truth. It's the only gift we are born with. It's the only thing we take with us when we die. It's ours, unique, it's our truth. You have to hold it, you have to pr protect it, and you have to push back against anything that isn't your truth. So this, this is Sojourner Truth's truth. Her speech should correctly be known as, I am a woman's rights. And you'll understand why when you hear this. So picture the scene. The Women's Rights Convention, Akron, Ohio, 1851. A black woman, an ex-slave, not invited to speak, but in attendance, gets up to speak. May I have a few words? I, I want to say a few words about this matter. I am a woman's rights. I have as much muscle as any man, and I can do as much work as any man. I have plowed and reaped and husked and chopped and mowed 
And can any man do more than that? I have heard much about the sexes being equal. I can carry as much as any man, and I can eat as much as any man if I can get it. I am as strong as any man that is now. As for intellect, all I can say is, if women have a pint and a man has a quart, why can't she have her little pint full? You need not be afraid to give us our rights for fear we will take too much, for we can't take more than our pint will hold. The poor men seem to be all in confusion and don't know what to do. Why, children, if you have woman's rights, give it to her and you will feel better. You will have your own rights, and they, we, won't be as much trouble to you. I can't read, but I can hear. I have heard the Bible and have learned that Eve caused man to sin. Well, if woman upset the world, do give her a chance to set it right side up again. The lady has spoken about Jesus and how he never spurned women from him, and she was right. When Lazarus died, Mary and Martha came to him with faith and love and besought him to raise up their brother. And Jesus wept, and Lazarus came forth. And how came Jesus into the world? through God who created him and woman who bore him. Man, where is your part? <laughs> but the women are coming up, blessed be God. And a few of the men are coming up with them. But man is in a tight place. The poor slave is on him. Woman is coming on him, and he is surely between a hawk and a buzzard. That's the real speech. Sojourn the truth. Blessings. Thank you. God bless. At your hand to everybody. I did warn you that she's pretty cool. <laughs> now, to close our first half in the way that only she can, please welcome to the stage the truly magnificent. As she's a singer, she's brilliant. She is also an impressionist, and she is phenomenal. The incredible Jess Robertson. Thank you. Hi. Mum and Dad, are you out there somewhere? Thanks for coming. I'm glad you did. I'm not getting emotional yet. Um, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So, um, yeah, as Deb said, I'm an impressionist, and I do everyone from, uh, I know, Shirley Bassey doing Goldfinger to uh, a little bit of Cheryl Cole. But thank God I don't have to do Theresa May anymore. <sighs> thank fuck. Um, but I've decided that for today, I have put together a super group of my favorite female voices. Some of them are very guilty feminists, but I think every girl group needs some key ingredients, right? There's always a classy one. So I've gone for Billie Holiday, because I just love her. Then there's always a slightly vulnerable one, so I've gone for the gorgeous Amy Winehouse. 
Then, um, in every girl group, right, there's always a slightly weird one, bit off the wall, bit alternative, uh, usually a redhead. I've gone for Kate Bush. Because <sighs> I love her and I still want to be her when I grow up. But also, I think it's better to be friends with a witch. <laughs> and then finally, in your ultimate girl group, you'd have Beyonce, wouldn't you? Yeah, so I chose Beyonce. And this would be our first single. This is the sound of one voice, one spirit, one voice, the sound of one who makes a choice. This is the sound of one voice. This is the sound of one voice. This This is the sound of voices too. The sound of me singing with you. Helping each other to make This is the sound of voices too
That was end of episode one on the Royal Albert Hall. We've put them out at the same time so you can binge them. Don't forget that this episode of The Guilty Feminist, parts one and two, is sponsored by Get Around, the car sharing app that lets you rent cars in your neighbourhood who've kindly chipped in so that we can afford to share our amazing show from the Royal Albert Hall.